Hey everybody, welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Amy Heckerling. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with James to talk about I Could Never Be Your Woman. James, you could be my woman. Yeah, I sure could, buddy. Um, <laughs> this, it, she's, it's quite surprising, a lot of these films. So, um, this one's real, uh, like, off-kilter again. Um, mm. But... Bits I love. Bits of this film I love. Um, how about you? I, I kind of feel broadly the same. Yeah, I think this will... We, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'm curious to hear what you love and what you don't. Um, but before we get into that, have you seen anything since the last time we spoke? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I watched a documentary. I just... I basically, I watched the trailer for June. Uh, oh, yeah. First, first third of the trailer for June. And I... I enjoyed that book as a kid and I'm like, so I watched like a third and I was like, I'm not watching anymore because look, it's looking right. It's looking like I'll enjoy the film. Dope. But then I basically went back down the rabbit hole and I watched the documentary for Hodorowski's June. Yeah. You watch that? No, I'm, I'm uh, kind of swearing off all of the media. So I'm um, not doing the trailer. I, I also... Um, maybe it's just like a lazy cop-out, but I am not reading the books until after I see this movie. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, it, it was a well-read uh, written book because uh, basically, not, not spoiler or anything, but a major concept of it is that it, it speaks matter-of-factly about really complicated things at the start of the book. So you're kind of confused for like the first half of the book trying to work out, like they talk about the name of some people or a war and you don't know what that is. And as you go through, you learn more about the universe and it reveals more about what you've been. So it's kind of one of those books that as you're reading on, you can think back to something they said sure. three chapters ago and it starts to make sense. And it's kind of clever in that way. Like it, it reveals as you go on and the universe gets bigger. So it's kind of clever that like, that's why I liked the book. Yeah, I've only ever heard very good things about it and some of the the ways that it deals with the like the nature of technology and, and human yeah. relationship to it. And um I'm really curious to unpack those issues through narrative. So I'm really So Hodorowski's June. Do you know Alejandro? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know him as Jordowski, but I am a neophyte. So No, no, I'm probably saying it wrong too. I kind of just thought of him as Mexican. And um, he's a Mexican, right? So they, don't they, isn't the J and H? You know, I guess I'd, I'm not familiar with his uh, ancestry or his uh, oh, heritage. He did a famous Mexican, like, like cowboy film called El Topo. Right. And, and uh, it's crazy. He's crazy. He's a crazy, <laughs> crazy man. Um, but yeah, so... He's That's a Chilean what? French filmmaker. Oh, right. Okay. So it just I I'm saying it wrong then probably. <laughs> All good. It's um he's he's it's it's an amazing documentary if you get a chance to watch it because it kind of it reveals a lot about the magic of filmmaking in the 70s like mm -hmm. the truly like limitless like limitless limitless plans that they had like he pre-Star Wars was making a space opera that dwarfed 
even even the ambitions of the recent Star Wars films. Huh. Like, so these these films were huge, and um, it had all sorts of crazy things. Like he he decided that the Mad Emperor, a character in it, needed like he demanded that it was played by Salvador Dali. Awesome. And then Salvador Dali demanded that he get paid the most money any actor has ever been paid. But he didn't say, I want this number. He said, I want the most money. Yeah, I want the most money that anyone's ever been paid to be in a movie. And they agreed. They agreed because they worked out that they could pay him by the minute. And they said, we'll pay you for screen time $100,000 a minute. <laughs> I mean, if that's what it takes, do you think that's just Dolly making a ridiculous request so yeah. that he can say he did it? Yeah, he, he was he was kind of trying to. He's quite just yeah. Anyway, the documentary is just quite brilliant. Like in in all the people coming together, but then everyone gets scared, and the whole process, the whole project gets canned. Um, but then everyone who was working on his film, kind of banded together and worked on the next film which was um alien oh no shit that's how alien got its star like props people yeah. the hr geiger he'd never done films before he wasn't interested he only did um like sculpture and art right and then they all got pulled onto um, ridley scott's film Huh. That's super fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I love a good story of like, like you said, sort of the magic of cinema in the wild west era where, yeah. you know, these things weren't like as pre-planned as they are today. So there was a little more like freedom to see what happens next. Oh yeah. They were, they had no real idea how they were going to do it. They just kind of started and they had such a crazy plan that they kind of had to plan really well. And <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I really thoroughly enjoyed that one. So if you get a chance to watch that documentary, it's it's well worth it. Right on. Looking at the you? What all of it. Man, I uh the two the two that I'll talk about, I threw on a couple of nineties comedies towards the end of last week. I forget what prompted it. Because I've been watching a lot of TV lately, just kind of on in the background. But I've been super busy, so I don't watch a lot of movies when I'm I'm uh working hard. Mostly I have TV running in the background. But I threw on Tommy Boy. Oh, yeah. That movie yeah. is a classic, man. I think it holds up still also. The cast is tremendous, even outside of just the Spade and, and Chris Farley connection. Yeah, but they were brilliant together, right? Like They're so brilliant together. And there's moments, like, even outside of just their standard dichotomy that sort of points at the absurdism that <laughs> I don't know, man, like towards the end of the movie, there's a running gag about David Spade losing his wig and him being insecure about having <laughs> a wig. It's the strangest, like most nonsensical, least motivated joke there is, but it just is so <laughs> fucking perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. And then I also watched uh, Dirty Work. With you know the Norm Macdonald movie where he oh. is revenge for hire, and yeah. I laughed so loud I was embarrassed that the neighbors might come knocking on my door. Man, I just like I think Norm Macdonald is so he's one of my favorites. Man, he just I love the way he delivers material, and he's that movie's full of it. I think What's he's that? truly 
I think he's truly insane. Like I um, think so too. Yeah. When you see document, I mean, sorry, interviews with him, like he he's he wants everything to fall apart. Like he yeah. gets a real he gets a real like joy out of derailing things. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie is one of the reasons that it's so funny is it's his sensibility fighting what we we're just talking about. You got to play on a movie. And he's yeah. not really interested in that. He's much more an anarchistic force. So, like, even by the end of the film, our main villain sort of dies off screen. It resolves in a really, you know, haphazard way. But then there's this voiceover at the end with Norm MacDonald going, oh, yeah, that asshole, he died. The end. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fantastic. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So that's all I got. Do you want to talk about I Could Never Be Your Woman? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, yeah, crazy, crazy. Like, didn't know what I was getting into again because I thought, okay, I know what this is. I looked at the poster. Poster looked like I knew what this was coming into. Opening scene is Mother Earth talking. <laughs> talking. All like, is Mother Earth. Anthropomorphized or, you know, made into a human. And then and she's talking about how the world's got lost its way because women aren't women and men aren't men and like it's real weird and she's got like funny old world views so you're not meant to agree with her but you kind of like you agree with the climate change stuff but she <laughs> takes a real strong climate change stance that you're totally in on and i i, I mean i don't know I, I guess i'm softer than the old world views but i equality is like the most important goal that we sh have as humans right now, but leveling and sort of like ignoring the fact that we do have different strengths and weaknesses and capabilities and pitfalls yeah. and sort of like attitudes and perceptions as different genders that, that exists. I'm pretty sure though, she's like, and then women decided they wanted the vote and stuff. So like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. sure, like it was, it was, it was like hardline, like an opening scene. I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. And then it turns out that that anthropomorphized nature is a character in the film, not just an introduction. Right. She's talking, talking to the main actress for like multiple times and like sometimes time freezes, but sometimes she's, in the scene with the people and they can interact with her maybe yeah. like like, like you get the sense that she might have been a character on the tv show at one point yeah. and now she haunts the studio i guess <laughs> it's yeah the energy there is really inconsistent and yeah. also as a device we lose track of tracy yeah. allman for like you know 20 minutes at a time and then it, it just is really paced unevenly you know, sometimes she's in four scenes in a row and then she's not in the beginning of the second act at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah you kind of forget. And then she's there multiple times. Yeah. Um, very weird choice, very weird tone on that bit. Um, Saoirse Ronan is, is brilliant as the daughter. I think um, she's great, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the relationship between the mum and the daughter are brilliant, like in a, in a broken way. Like she's <laughs> not very good at being a mum sometimes, sure. but also it's really nice as well like talking honestly and being like open yeah really cool like real proper yeah functional thing um 
And I they like both sell it. They're, you know, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer and Saoirse Ronan. So did Saoirse Ronan win an Oscar this last year? Or was she just nominated? Yeah. Anyways, know. they're both, you know, everybody, this whole cast is super high caliber. And the, the chemistry between mother and daughter in their scenes is just phenomenal. Yeah. Like, it's legit. I was, yeah. I was impressed with that and I loved it. I loved the relationship between Michelle Pfeiffer and John Lovitz. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy to see John Lovitz here. And yeah. especially by the end, is, uh, yeah. when they're having the conversation about, like, who's Bruce Willis and who's Demi Moore. And <laughs> And she's, they're ignoring that she's angry. Yes. Like, she's legitimately angry. And she's, like, thinking that the whole relationship's over. But Paul's character is like, it's obviously not over because all of this is bullshit. Right. So I'm going to work this out. And so he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Bruce Willis. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> like, he's like, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. We'll sort it out. Like, um, so there's really great moments like that, like, good energy uh like funny uh i think yeah paul rudd obviously we haven't said his name yet but he's bringing a lot of energy and a lot of charm to this thing and okay. like, real comedy chops yeah so a couple times he may bring a bit too much energy like i the the throwing the belly jelly bean into the butt crack of the girl that's I like weird move, right? Weird, weird power move for meeting a person the first time. All right. And then, uh, and then there's the dance scene at the club where like he, he's kind of playful, come and dance, but then he steps it to about three levels too far. And he's like, like, it's brilliant, but it's brilliant in a different way where I'm like, I think he might be insane. <laughs> like, I, okay, so this sort of points at my, like, the main thing I want to talk about for me, which is, like, where this is with Heckerling and what it represents to her. Because he's written like a TV character, and this is a movie about a TV show, and the sort of structure of this movie is very TV plot. You know, it's very yeah. ABC boom, 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 not, not television network, but like A plot, B plot, C plot. And we're just jumping back and forth between the lines. So it, I don't know if those choices necessarily work for me, but I think it's what she was trying to do. I want to like at least give her credit for that, especially when you view it in context of like all the conversations that she has with Fred Willard, who is also hilarious in this. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was reminded that she spent, you know, a lot of time in television working on the Clueless TV show. Yeah. So this feels really autobiographic in a way that her movies haven't up until this point. I was going to bring that up, that the attractive writer has, right. who's on stage for writing a school TV show. Right for a guy who you know like and then we even get stacy dash back in, back in yeah. the mix so you kind of like you know, stacy's in <laughs> like stacy's in the tv show yeah. that she's waiting for and then she falls like it was like this is pretty <laughs> pretty on the nose about how uh autobiographical it could be but um right i enjoy uh but like the it it's weird though like there's a lot like the the the, the nihilistic uh, plastic surgery notes from the start 
like it kind of dies off by the end of the film but like seriously the first third of the film they're talking about plastic surgery and how uh like not good enough everything you know like it's well it's very sort of like hollywood energy with that we're like it's so uh, jaded about the way that reality TV show, shows are made and the way yeah. that celebrities treat themselves and their, yeah. their bodies to produce this image for us. You know, like they even, Stacey Dash gets called out for yo-yo dieting. Um, yeah, which is our main character telling the, the, the Stacey's character to sort out her weight problem and then we can make a a mannequin so the mannequin and i was like like so these notes quite often are like a bit like cold and scary to me (laughs) and then i'm like but but i like these you know like i like these characters every now and then they say something about plastic surgery that's really dark truly and And it even ends i think john lovey Lovitz gets the last laugh with that where he talks about getting his chin extended so he doesn't have to get his face lifted. Yeah. It it runs all the way through it for sure. And there I don't know. I it makes me laugh. No, no, it's 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 interesting, but then it's it, okay, I guess maybe like that opening sequence with the actual surgery is is intense to me. Like I yeah. I find that whole concept of body modification intense. And it's a weird intro for a comedy for me. So like there was a good couple minutes of getting into the film where I'm trying to forget the plastic surgery and the and the twisted faces of people. <laughs> like and you know, it makes me think of the intro to Look Who's Talking with the like super intense photo photography of like sperm and uterus yeah. and yeah, you're right. like, the insemination process. Yeah. And you're right. I, maybe I'm kind of grasping now, but her one of the things that I respond to, the reason I'm I like her as a director is because she can do the human thing. She really yeah. gets something about people. And yeah. maybe one of the things that she's sort of like pointing at is that like intimacy of our body. I you know, I don't know, I'd have to I almost want to rewatch them all again now, but she definitely Oh, whatever. I'll let that throw go for that. No, so definitely, I think she has a really good grasp of human dynamics. Like, so uh, positive and negative. Yeah. Uh, positive and negative comes across equally in her stories quite well. And you can kind of have these characters that say bad things, but mean good things, or, you know, like selfish things. Kind or kind of wanting to be around, like you aren't completely off-put by people saying really terrible things. There's yeah. still this charm to them and, and like an understanding of what's motivating them to say these awful things. And it's usually not pure malice. There's a few characters in a movie here or there oh. that will have that, but in, in her movie specifically, but not most people, even the bad guys, are are coming from a pretty. Anyways, we've set up. So I didn't understand the receptionist in this film. So that 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 character's arc was muddy for me because, like, I'm guessing she was in love with Paul Rudd and wanted to break him up, break up the the. But it was a weird kinds of sort of like power hunger with her and like corporate dynamics as well. Yeah. But she kind of was just like, uh, kind of just evil. Like, you're not evil, but you know, like, 
she was kind of just a malicious character. Like yeah. when something could happen that she had to do, it would always be the malicious option. And I, I kind of didn't, whereas most of her characters are quite even handed and, and uh, like level, like they, they can be malicious or say something snarky, but they also have good notes and they're trying to do other things like, um, yeah. Anyway, like a lot of her films have, well, yeah, and even this one, and it is that 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 inconsistency of the human tone, especially with this character, kind of points back to this thing that I was saying about it having TV dynamics, oh, yeah, and not having more of the the subtle tones that we expect from a movie, especially at this point, you know, yeah. where TV's obviously gotten to a place now where we expect more subtlety in the storytelling, but when this thing was being written and produced, you know, it's just, you got to punch hard. Yeah. Um, so I, obviously I've worked on film sets in, in, you know, many countries. So I really enjoy a lot of the, like those bits, like behind the scenes and the, like the people talking like about making a TV show or a film and like the way that that language works, like, I love that because that's just like brilliant. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's got really. I, I even I even want to say it's kind of got a good heart, like a good soul, the kind of film. Like the mum's a good mum, and she's like she's unsure, uh, like about the relationship, but because she's like, oh, I'm too old. This is bullshit. And he's like, no, fuck that, you know. Like so, there's cool bits, but yeah, it also it also dropped me a couple times. It, it drops me like a lot, you know, it, it's because it is like kind of wildly punchy. Yeah. And, but, but it mostly pulls it off. I, it's, uh, I have a real, like, not even hot and cold experience with this movie. I'm mostly warm on it. It's yeah. what it is, is something will happen that makes me feel like, oh, that should upset me. I shouldn't like that. Yeah. And then I just keep rolling with it. I'm like, I oh, don't know, this is fun. You know, it just, yeah. <laughs> it's a movie shaped movie and so much of it really works. And there is something at the core. There's, yeah. you know, generally good people trying to do good things. It has a lot on its mind about the way that people are corrupted and what to watch out for. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like the, the boss not caring so um, Fred Willard's character just not actually caring about anything apart from numbers is right. bang on. And then, um, like, yeah, the, you know, the twisting of the behind-the-scenes stuff where people are just actually trying to make something good, but it always kind of gets twisted to just, okay, no more gay stories, no more right. blah, 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 you know, like when that, that it, yeah. But ultimately, I think the three main characters Michelle, Paul, and Saoirse. Um, I think that's how you say her name. Um, nail it. Like, they, they, are, they are brilliant, and I enjoy seeing them on the screen. But, yeah, the... Dude, God, when Chris Ronan starts singing, I was like, is that her playing the guitar? She's yeah. way more talented than I recalled. But even that is sort of like, the first time she's singing the Britney Spears parody... Yeah. My question is like, what, who wrote this song for this small child? Am I to believe she's just doing this to entertain herself? And then it's not until way later in the movie that we 
understand why she has the talent or what she's been practicing for, or, you know? So it's, I had, it's same, I had that same problem. I was like, this is a weird, like straight on to the camera, like she's performing to the camera, right. this prepared song. And I was like, what is this moment? This feels like, like a cutaway or something. Like this feels too <laughs> produced. And like, what is she doing writing this song? Like just for fun? Right. And then, yeah, like you say, later in the film, when they reveal that she's writing these songs for, for the talent quest, you're like, oh, okay. So there was a reason. And it like, so I think something fell onto the editing floor. Yeah. Some of those elements. Because um, this thing clocks it at a clean 90 minutes. So I imagine there's a, a few things that got dropped out of here. Yeah. But speaking of music, uh, the amount of Cure songs in this yeah. one. <laughs> I think I think Amy Engeling is just a Cure fan now. After, <laughs> after like the fourth movie with Cure songs, I'm like, brilliant. <laughs> She's also a big Blink-182 fan because this is the yeah. second movie in a row with what's my age again <laughs> but she also she got around to uh you know the best blink song is it damn it right the yeah. oh yeah yeah on rules and uh she's good at soundtracks man but we are starting to see a little bit of patterned behavior i guess no but it's good it's I, I good think they're like your favorite songs yeah and like if you can do it because I, I every time the song comes up, I'm like, oh, I'm really happy about this house party that they're going to because the right <laughs> playing. And Let me like, tell you what: if I got to make five movies in a row and they were all about a sad boy, every single one of them would feature pictures of you. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, man. It's good. Uh, no, can't complain about this music because I like it's my music. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm on board. Um, I think they had a really big cast for this film. Uh, it it has a tone issue sometimes. It has uh, it has a pacing issue sometimes. Like sometimes I'm like, where are they going with this bit? Uh, but not 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 that I got bored or like it was too long or anything. It was just like they'd introduce different scenes, and I'm like. We're, we're, you know, like, what's what's this scene doing that the other scene couldn't? Or, you know, like, I just, sure. like, but... It does feel a little hacked, you know? It's a yeah, little it's assembled. Like, I think cut. I think probably, like we say, the editorial process may have snipped it up a bit. So things kind of just slot in a bit, you know, like, haphazardly sometimes. But Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of some cameos, though, Henry Winkler showing up when he just corrects them for the prank phone call. No, it's lower. It's like a... Yeah. I really like that. Um, that whole bit with the prank calls is very truthful. Like, yeah. the daughter of an executive may very well make a bad decision and do that. And then I can totally picture Henry Winkler being cool <laughs> about it. <laughs> but it is it's another point where like well the the movie when that drama resolves we don't need it and it doesn't amount to anything no. but it does give her a moment to be a parent and then she doesn't quite do it <laughs> the daughter kind of does the parenting yeah, yeah totally right. punches herself right and then yeah yeah, <laughs> but it, it, yeah it works I, uh, also, yeah, so, uh, shout out to Wallace Shawn for showing up as a teacher again. 
yeah, for sure. They just pulled in, you know, like they were like, I oh, was just pulling the old crew from. Yeah. Um, was Wallace Shaw in the TV series of Clueless as well? Oh, I don't know. Let's take a look. I know that they pulled in like, um, like a lot of the old crew from the film into the TV show, at least for the first season. They got. Wait, did Brittany Murphy play a different character on the yep. TV show? Yeah, so they cameoed all the main characters as new students. Um, That's like insane. Yeah. <laughs> but Donald Faison played the same character, and so did Stacey Dash. Wallace Shawn yep. is on the show, or was. Yeah. So was yeah. Twink Kaplan. All right. Good. love. Good. Funny. I wonder if Michael Lerner was Cher's father. Well... Guess I have to watch the Clueless TV show now. Yeah, basically. Yeah, because I also really want to know who Paul Rudd is supposed to be. Like, who's the new cast member that shows up on Clueless season three and gets hot shit after that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's Donald Faison? Oh, I have no idea. I'm just starting rumors. I don't have much else, man. Yeah, I like it's not a great movie, but I liked it a lot. And I kind of I'm a little surprised it doesn't have like any reputation. Like I just was not even aware of this at all. But people what don't people like this? Why don't people like this? No, I think I think it 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 fits the era well. I I don't know what happened at the time when this came out. When is it? 2007. Um it yeah because it's the right kind of feeling and yeah. like there's so many movies like this one and this one's not like i'd never heard of it never seen it like and like it's michelle pfeiffer and paul rudd being yeah. sexy at each other they're uh, like america's favorite yeah nah, whatever yeah she's yeah she's amazing in it actually michelle pfeiffer you forget that she's like a good actress you know like i, I never she's so good man yeah. And then, yeah, Paul Rudd was smooth. He had some smooth moves. <laughs> it's pretty good. I like that. I like that stuff. Like, you know, the charming thing. That, that Yeah, he's like, you know, famously charming. That's his vibe. And she uses it to great effect here. And, yeah. and you know, in... Yeah, she's real good with the casting also. I wonder if she's working with the same casting directors throughout. Because, mm-hmm. you know... Um, uh, 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 Alicia Silverstone is perfect casting. Like, Clueless is so perfectly casted. And this movie is really, really well casted. The point that I'm trying to make here is that Paul Rudd was certainly on his way up, but not, like, famously charming guy at this point. He wasn't America's favorite next-door neighbor or whatever. So, uh, yeah. so like... Still, right? Yeah, and so to pull that out and say no no i you're you have that skill so much so that i'm going to put you on display as having that skill and you have to have that skill in order for me to continue to you know it's uh, very ouroboros but it's uh, good stuff man i'm just looking up yeah i don't know what anyway casting's good i think uh, amy hickling has a has a voice of like like I think she's like I, I think she does when she gets a freedom to say things. I think that in this film, possibly editorial cut. I uh, like I, I'm speculating, but 
I think they edited it down to make it palpable. I think they edited it down to get it into 90 minutes. I think this thing probably came in at like just under two hours. And they were like, now let's just, you know, get in and out with this thing. I think she definitely has a voice, but I, I wonder like how much of her arc is sort of being willing to work within the studio system. Cause like, I mean, we're skipping over loser, but that thing is, it just smacks of studio, you know? And <laughs> this thing I was, smack of so studio. Much, sorry, what's that? I was not so much skipping over as trying to suppress or repress. Yeah, <laughs> like, fair enough, man. Yeah. But this thing doesn't smack of studio, but it also, you know, it's yeah. nice and shiny and it moves at a quick pace and. Yeah, you get a whiff of studio. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd say watch it. Like I, like if somebody was like uh, wanting like one of those early 2000s, you know, rom-com things, I, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't not, I wouldn't tell someone not to watch that film. Like, I, I think that, either. And I yeah. would tell, I'm like, I think a lot of people I would tell to watch that movie, especially if they're like, you know, you and I, James, we're film people. But a lot of a lot of people will just ask, like, "Oh, what's a good movie I should watch?" And you're like, "Well, I watched this cool documentary about Jurodowski and this sci-fi movie that he never made in the '70s." And for, <laughs> eyes are bleeding at that point. But if yeah. you can be like, "No, man, it's Michelle Pfeiffer and Paul Rudd, and it's a rom-com. You love it." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, you should watch this film about a, a, a director that never made a film. <laughs> planned to make a film and lots of people all got together to not make a film <laughs> yeah. oh, all right. also have you seen Fitzcarraldo also. <laughs> I, I have not watched Fitzcarraldo but I have been recommended last week to watch Fitzcarraldo by Hamish you so. definitely should and also read his diary while making that movie because it's very much him doing his best impersonation of probably Colonel Kurtz, but a lot Francis Ford Coppola, you know. There. It, does, it does feel a bit up the river Saigon or, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like. It's very Hearts of Darkness. Yeah, Heart of Darkness, that's the one. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> cool. I, I will definitely give it a watch. Well, good. next week, man, vamps. One more heckerling to go. Yeah, that's it. That's the last one. Yeah. We, um, we've done well. And I don't know this one as much as I don't know what we just watched. I don't know vamps at all. I think I might know it even less potentially. <laughs> um, it's got Kristen Ritter. And we're back to Elisa Silverstone. Uh, does it? Yeah, oh. and Sigourney Weaver apparently shows up. <laughs> and Richard okay, Lewis. <laughs> I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch it. I know it. Um it Kristen Ritter did a really good job on that superhero TV show. I think they cancelled it, but um when when Disney yeah. bought, Jessica but, Jones. Yeah, Jessica Jessica Jones. I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was like a I like it too. I think she's really good. I like that it's sort of, um, I like what it 
is uh, what it represents maybe a little more than what it is like i really dig that it's about ptsd and that her sort of powers are related to that and i think it makes for a compelling telling of a superhero story i think yeah like i i did find myself like i i don't get into those superhero things too much sometimes like they, they can kind of bore me and sometimes that did happen but i kind of did enjoy that yeah, PTSD, the PTSD, the like, actually, we, we kind of enter slice of life at the, she's already broken, she's had a horrible experience, and now we're meeting her. Like, we're not seeing the horrible experience and then seeing the aftermath. We just get dropped in the aftermath, and then you kind of reveal the, the priest. Yeah, so she does well, and that TV show was kind of more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Right on. And she's also hilarious on Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23. I haven't seen that. It's good, man. It, there, it's like two or three seasons. <laughs> I won't put it in like the great category, but really good joke writing, and she's fantastic in it. Okay. All right. I'll give it a look. So next week, vamps. 